0: We're going to be looking at 2 Corinthians chapter 5 this morning. So if you want to turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we're going to read uh, in a minute. We're going to read verses uh, 16 through 20. Man, these verses are loaded with truth. And I'm going to start. I'm going to I'm going to quote something out of verse 20. And I'm going to back up to 16. It says, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, certain that God is appealing through us. We plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. And verse 21 says, he made the one who did not know sin to uh, to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Isn't that amazing? Side note, you and I are not sinners trying to live a righteous life. Righteousness has to do with your identity in Christ. It is something you are, not something you try to do. It is something that Christ has done in you by his work on the cross, not by the efforts that you and I put forth. (laughs) How about that? That is good news, right? That my righteousness and my salvation is not based in my effort or my works. Yet it is an outflow and it is a result of fully receiving the work of Christ by faith in our life. And because of that, you and I have become. It's amazing. I'm, I'm not trying to be righteous. I am God's righteousness on display. Oh, let it sit in. Okay. R.T. Kendall said. The time you heard the gospel and you thought, that's too good to be true. That's the time you actually heard it. All right. Verse 16. We're talking about the truth and we're talking about being ambassadors for Christ. For Christ's love compels us. No, that's, but it does. That's verse six, 14. 16. From now on, then, we do not know anyone in a purely human way. Even if we have known Christ in a purely human way, yet now we know him no longer that way. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new or she is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Look, new things have come. Everything is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Powerful. Often we use that verse as we have the ministry of reconciliation to talk about our effect on like the anointing on our life to help close gaps between people. And yes, it may play out that way. But the context of this verse, the ministry of reconciliation, is that we are walking out the mission of Christ, which was to reconcile mankind to God. Through Christ. That's important to realize. And yes, sometimes because of that grace and anointing in your life, you can mediate with folks. You can help people connect. But the real mission here in context, what this verse is actually, actually about is about the mission that you and I have. As ambassadors for Christ, that our light shines in the world in such a way That our lives and our words are constantly just emulating and declaring be reconciled to God. (laughs) Verse 19. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And he has committed the message of reconciliation to us. Now, if you look at the context of this portion of scripture, it is extremely powerful because what it is basically saying is we are in Christ, so we are everything he is and we do everything that he does. We don't know one another after the flesh. The context here is we knew Christ that way. He was walking around in the flesh. Have you ever connected this context we quote this all the time, but we don't we no longer know one another after the flesh, but after the spirit. Why? Because we did know Christ that way. He walked around in the flesh. We saw him. We, you know, they did. And um, and so and and yet now we know him that way no longer. Now we know him as the resurrected Lord. And we and then and so because of that, we're all in Christ. We know one another after the Spirit now. We know Christ according to the Spirit. We know one another after the Spirit. Right? And then it's saying, because Christ was reconciling people to God, now you are reconciling people to God. The ministry of Christ has been handed to us. He's in us. He's in us. I mean, this is amazing. We're not in a club. We didn't sign up for a club. We were born of God. And that means you and I have God living inside of us. Just say, God lives in me. If you just meditate on that reality. Don't you know you're the temple of God? And the spirit of God lives in you. It's in the Bible. (laughs) And here's the key. Therefore, we, you and me. We're ambassadors for Christ. We are ambassadors for Christ. What does it mean to be an ambassador? To represent. We're representatives of Christ. Powerful. You and I have the privilege of representing Christ to the world. Yeah, Lord, we thank you for your anointing and for your grace in the house today. Lord, yeah, I thank you that the seed of your truth, God, thinks that our heart has already been prepared by you. It's it's full of faith and that your seed is taking root. In Jesus' name, amen. Ambassadors, it means that we are representatives. Okay? Now, if you're an ambassador for a nation, you would go to another nation and you would be an ambassador. Say, if you were a a United States ambassador, you would go to another country and you would represent that country to whoever it was that you were going to meet with. It's so powerful. And and so. And so when you got there, there would be actual, there would be parts of your own life, or maybe you could even say your former life, before you were an ambassador, that you would lay aside. Because, you know, like how Paul said, all things are profitable, but not all things are constructive. There are things that, there are lots of freedoms, because in Christ we're free. But... When you are living as an ambassador, there are things that when you go to represent, which is everywhere all the time, that that there are some things that when you're looking at him, the longer you look at him and the more you walk with him and the more you walk out this identity that you have as a representative of Christ, you realize that I can, but I may not because it doesn't serve the purpose. Of representing Christ in the way that I'm called to. And I want to tell you, if, if I can just prophesy in the message today, by the way, I, I meant to say when I when I began this message, I'll say it now, that however this comes out, that I want you to know, I have to give you what is inside of me. What God, what what I what the Lord has been stirring in me with the Lord. And so um, if he. We're, I'm, I may get down to some, like, where it actually touches the ground in our lives, right? And and um, and so, it may be pointed. But I just want you to know that I just feel in my heart that God is doing something radical in our day, on the earth. So, if you could allow me to just preach to a generation, even beyond this room, that actually just, it's, it's for us, it's for you, and it's for me, but... But what I'm sharing with you today, I really believe is in the heart of God for the generation that's on the planet today and that God is looking at a generation and he's saying they will be mine, they will be mine and 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 that and that there are so many things being said about the millennial generation and about You know, every generation has had its strengths and has had its weaknesses, you know. And I think the challenge of every former generation is to see the gold in the up-and-coming generation. And that that we would close the gap so that we don't have a generation that grows up fatherless. So that we don't fail to hand to the next generation what God has put in us. And so rather than judging an up-and-coming generation, that we would love a generation the way God does. And that we would have a heart to be fathers and mothers to those on the earth, no matter what age we are. Because you can be a teenager and you can carry the heart of the father. And you can be 107 and you're not yet retired. We don't retire in the kingdom. The mode of our life changes. The roles that we play, maybe in community, shifts and changes. That's part of the joys of this life, I believe. That we have on this earth, but we don't retire. We never lose our validity or, or, or our anointing to be ambassadors and to have an effective generation. And so if you'll just hear my heart this morning, I'm stirred up. <laughs> um. The Lord, one of the things that the Lord spoke to me about uh, about this generation about five years ago, God began to, he, he prophesied some things to me, He told some things, well He spoke some things to me. and then when I say it to you, it's prophecy, that's prophecy. God tells you somebody's like, "I don't know about prophecy. Well, does God speak to you? Yes, When you tell someone else what God said, you're prophesying. So, OK, <laughs> if you believe God speaks, you believe in prophecy. All right. Um, that's the part you get to do. Uh, but God spoke to me and he said, there is a holiness movement that is coming on this generation. It's a work of my spirit. It's something that I am doing. And I'm not talking about a rule based version of holiness. It's, it's not a list of do's and don'ts. Right. How many know that you can have all the do's and 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 don't do any of the don'ts? And yet you still don't have holiness because holiness is something that comes as an impartation from the very spirit of God inside of you. Yeah, it, you can you, you can you can you can seemingly look from the outside to have the most moral life. But if you've not been born again, you don't have holiness. Holiness is an attribute of God that is imparted to you when you become one with Him. You become holy because of your connection to the Holy One. Well, that's good news because that means we don't have to work for it. Because we'd all fail. And we all had. All have fallen short. But there's a holiness movement that is coming... And has already begun. I see it. I hear the rumblings. I can feel it. And and God is moving. And I believe that part of this holiness movement, one of the elements that that and part of what's going to bring it about this move of God is that that there is a um, an emphasis in the Spirit upon the fear of the Lord. We oh, go the fear of the Lord. I will be afraid of God. Like, well, it's in the New Testament and it says perfecting holiness, therefore perfecting holiness in the fear of the Lord. And the Lord spoke to me and he said, he said, without holiness, there will never be a, he said, without the fear of the Lord, without the a, a revelation of reverence for God, there will never be a full manifestation of holiness in a life. Well, it's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. It's so true. It's so true. But when you've tasted of the goodness of God and you realize that you were absolutely lost without it, what what it produces in your heart is a reverence for God. So you taste the goodness of God. You come before Him. You behold Him. You realize He's holy. And you fall before Him and you go, God, you're so good. But in that goodness, there's a reverence. And Paul said, let us know both the kindness and the severity of God. And there's a you know, like, it's like, oh, God's my buddy. He's not your buddy. You can, you can, you can be God's friend. Friend, but buddy is way too casual for God. You know what I'm saying? Jesus, full of joy. Yeah, and his eyes blaze like fire. What do you mean? Sometimes he's scary and sometimes he's loving. No. He's love. He is, he is love. And he's awesome. You get it. And so another way to say this is that I want to tell you that there is a revival of morality. That is coming to the church. It has to come to the church first because the church is the salt and the light of the earth. The church is the ambassador of God on planet earth. If the church fails, then the world never receives what God has for them. You're God's plan. You and me, we're God's plan. We're like, well, I don't know. I'm just going to I'm just going to quietly love people and God will get them. But Jesus didn't say like, hey, be quiet and I'll make disciples. He said, go into the world and make, make. It's a powerful word. Make disciples. Ah, we get to do that? And so there's a morality. There's a revival of morality in the church. A purity movement that will draw the world like a moth to a flame. You see... Moths are drawn to bright light. And I do believe that that because the church in the Western world had gained a reputation by some. And I think we need to remember that it's also part of the, the enemy's agenda, what he emphasizes, what he focuses on, because I love the church and I believe that she's been beautiful from the beginning and always has been but maybe there's aspects that get focused on and so gained a reputation for being judgmental unloving you've heard terms like Bible bashing things like this and um, and so in almost in a pendulum swing reaction right so God well God pours out a revival and 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 he and he begins to emphasize the father heart the love of God we needed that and there were all these prophetic words that God was returning. It was that spirit and power of Elijah. God was returning the hearts of the, the fathers back to the children, the hearts of the children back to the fathers, and it manifested in the church that the church gained a greater revelation for Father, 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 father God in our day. But and and that and that God uh, emphasized for. A good season that his his unconditional love, his unrelenting love for us, for mankind. How many are thankful that there is nothing, nothing you can ever do that will get God to stop loving you? Yeah, you can cheer for that. That's a good word. That means with God, there is always an open door. Christ. That we come confidently and boldly. I love what Graham Cook said. He said uh, God's not going to love you more when you do better. God's never going to love you more than he does today because he couldn't love you more. It's impossible to go beyond infinite. Fathomless. Without limit. And yet with that truth being emphasized, I believe that God now is saying, and I am good. I, I am good. I am good. I said, I, I used to say, growing up in church and growing up knowing the truth, that I never, I never doubted that God was real. What rocked my life is when I found out how good he is. When he showed up with his goodness and his power personally to me. And I would just go, Father, I always knew you're real. I don't know you're this good. I'm just experiencing the love of God, the salvation of God, the kindness of God in my life. And yet, it is the holiness of God in His church, along with the love of God, that is that bright light. You see, the light of God is love and holy. And and it's the difference that they see in you that causes them to want what you have. And it's that thing where they might even be like, I'm a little bit nervous of it. I don't know if I want to run to you or run away from you. I don't know what's happening. And I'm like, that's kind of a common feeling around God. I want you but, but you, but you don't know But when you're not in Christ, you know what I'm saying? And you don't know that you're so loved and so accepted. You're like, I get it. It says of the apostles in the early church that even the Christians didn't want to hang out with those guys. Like, they make me so nervous. It's in there. And what does that mean? They had to be nervous? No, they didn't. But, but they, they, they shouldn't probably feel that way, right? They didn't need to be. But they did, because of the power that was on them. So, somebody prophesied this. They said that God will give His Spirit without measure to His church without mixture. And I've been talking about, this is where it starts to get. I've been talking about how, and, and this, is my, this is what I think. That it seems like the Western church, whom I love, wrestles with some ideas that you just would not wrestle with unless you lived in the lap of luxury. You know, here's the thing, that the Father loves to bless His children. Everything about God's ecosystem is that when you live in my realm, if I was speaking for God, when you this is God, like when you live in my realm, Blessing begins to flow and every area of your life begins to line up with the way I see it and the way I think. When you surrender to me in that area of your life, then 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 the resources of heaven in that in that part of your life begin to flow and manifest. Well, then what happens is what blessing overflows and then and so when the gospel takes root in a culture, blessing begins to flow. And yes, it looks like all the blessings we have. Financial blessings, way of life, comfort, get blessings. Blessings are like beyond. And then the challenge is that in all the blessing, it's like the kid that got a thousand Christmas presents to remember who gave the gifts. So you don't get so caught up in all the gifts. that they, And then you, no, I don't want to share them. No, Nobody put, you know, if you're a little kid, a kid. You only play one at a time, maybe three, you know, and they are like, just get away from my gifts. You start protecting. Then your shift goes from like the one who gave the gifts. And that's where the decline begins. And so what God is looking for is a people who are captured by his love. Who display his righteousness to the world and realize that their life is not their own. And he says, that's a generation that I can pour out my spirit without measure. And I can trust with the abundance of all kinds of things in life. Because they'll remember what's really important. And so then you have people in the church, in the Western world, wrestling with things. That God is really clear about in his word. You've got Christians who actually are thinking abortion is okay. We're, you know, seeking to redefine ideas of of relationships and marriage and all kinds of things. And pretty soon you've got this sloppy grace message that's like, maybe everybody's saved. Do we really need to tell anybody? And I'm like and then we pass off a selfish lifestyle as though it were love. You know what I'm saying? And 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 we get uncomfortable when people are uncomfortable because not because of judgment. You know what? It, you know, what I'm saying like if we're if we're being truly like looking down on people, then then that's something God will deal with our hearts about. But what I'm saying is that when you are living as an ambassador for Christ and your light is shining and there's differences in your life and sometimes even amongst other believers, your choices feel like you're being alike. Anyone ever experienced that? Anyone ever experienced that you feel like you're standing next to a light with another believer? Right? You've got, you got a conviction, a standard in your life, and when you talk about it, I'm feeling called higher by you. You know what I'm saying? And it's important that we don't insulate ourselves from this experience because it's God's plan for a bright light in His church. And and so what I've noticed just because Facebook is is that like is that like over the years and it seems like there's been a shift is happening, but over the years, um almost like if anybody makes a stand over any kind of lifestyle issue, you've actually got believers on there going, Hey, God's love, you should be loving. And you're like I'm talking with other believers about what God has already set forth as a standard. I don't know. And you're watching believers being persecuted by believers for just making a righteous stand over very basic 101 Christian foundational truths. Anybody notice this? And I was thinking about this, so I was really like just thinking, because I've been thinking about it actually for a long time, and talking to the Lord about it, and it and it, it dawns on me, I realized, as I read the New Testament, as I read Paul's letters, lots of the things that you and I can get offended for someone else speaking into, Paul's writing letters about You know what I'm saying? Like, hey, don't be religious. Don't talk to me about my choices. You know what I mean? So you saw me stagger out of the bar. Like, I mean, you you know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, you see an unbeliever. Honestly, who cares? He doesn't know the Lord. I don't expect him to act like he does. When I'm with unbelievers, honestly, there's something like I feel the heart of God when I'm like, Oh man, you know, what I'm, you know what I'm saying? They've been partying it up. They've been drinking it up. They've been smoking it up. They've been doing whatever. And there's something about being in that place that makes me feel alive. Because I'm like, I get to be a light to these folks. I don't expect them to act like God's children. They don't know them yet. But there's a different relationship from believer to believer. That's when, that's when with like Brian and I are brothers in the Lord, so so like there's it's different now. I was thinking about this story about how when my son was little, we were watching. You know, he was watching TV and somebody on the TV show told uh, on the TV show told someone to shut up. Josh was just a little guy. This was, this was Josh's response. Yeah, I don't know how old he was. Maybe kindergarten. He was like he goes, "Oh, we don't say that." <laughs> <laughs> And I was thinking, he understands something. that Some people say that, but we, in this family, we don't. We don't because we're in this family. And in this family, there's a culture. And there's a standard. And it isn't religious. It's train up a child in the way they should go. This is discipleship. This is being an ambassador. And so Paul was always writing letters about things about about actions, life choices, the way we speak, the way we joke. He wrote letters about it all. He's so plain about it all. He's like, hey, don't that's that's crude humor. No. No, we don't you know, this is Paul writing letters about how we joke, how we talk, how we interact. What our relationships look like, what married people look like, how single people live, how, like, I mean, he talked about it all, all the stuff that on Facebook you've got believers going, hey, why are you being so judgmental? And they're like, if you don't know the word, cool. But if a believer is like, you're, you're, you know what I'm saying? Out of relationship, we're in relationship, and I'm like, hey, bro, You know, man, you know what I mean? We don't walk around like hammering each other, but but it's a it's a calling higher. It's not that like, oh, see, I caught you now. Remember when you called me out on that? I'm calling you out back. (laughs) You know, not that thing. That's weird. You know what I'm saying? But like out of out of love, when you love somebody, you're going to. You're going to want them to have the best life that they can have. And the best life that they can have is one that is fully surrendered to God in his way. Yeah, with light and truth. And so part of making disciples or making disciples is part of being an ambassador that we have an active role to know. I love it in Acts, you know, when uh when he begins to write Acts, he says, my last, my last writing was all about the things that Jesus began to do and to teach. So in Jesus' life and in the lives of the apostles, we have both things they did, mainly Christ, and things they taught. And so I believe that there's an invitation that you and I have in this day to engage a generation because there's a harvest. People are coming in. People are coming into the kingdom, and you and I have a role to be an ambassador, both to bring them in and to raise them up. You and I, as children of light, are assigned to the world. And God's light in you. Will bring them unto him. Here's what I want to encourage you with in closing. You have a light inside of you. It's God, it's the Lord Himself. And you are shining even when you think you're not. Even on your rough day. The reality of Christ in you is bigger than your hard time. It's bigger than your mood. It's bigger than your challenges. It's bigger than all that. You are shining. And when you and I connect to that reality and apply our faith to it, you know what? It'll change our perspective on the impact we're having on the world around us. They're so hungry. They're so hungry. They're looking at you and I as ambassadors. And so I just believe God is raising up a generation that is saying, because we've explored our freedom in Christ and we found out it's unlimited. You're free now. Free means you get to choose what you want to do. And, God's, and God is touching a generation on the earth today. That's you and me. It's an all-ages generation. It's an all-ages generation. Generation. When I see generation, yes, there's an up-and-coming generation. But we're all in this together. And God is raising up a generation who will say, I can. Some may. But I'm not really thinking about what I don't do because I am so caught up with this idea of representing Christ. To the world around me. And I carry the truth. And it changes lives. The teaching of truth. Catch this. We have the Spirit of God inside of us that leads us into the truth. But part of God's plan is is discipleship. That's the part that comes through you and me. So the Spirit of God is in us, leading us to truth. And yet you and I are the other part of that plan, where we are speaking truth to one another and those that we come in contact with. And it is the teaching of truth that comes from the Word of God and God's way. The teaching of truth forms the conscience. The answer to a, to a seared conscience is the spoken truth of God. It's powerful. It's effective. It cuts through the cloud. And the conscience is the part of who we are that the Holy Spirit moves upon to bring conviction. That's why the declaration of the gospel is followed by the power of God. Because we speak the word. It touches It forms the conscience and the Spirit of God moves in the conscience to bring a changed life.